What is up, everybody? I am your host, Kyle Pig, and welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. Hit that thumbs up for me if you're listening on YouTube and subscribe wherever you get the show. We've got a great one for you today. We've got Mike Gill from the Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN coming up at 1230 to talk about the Sixers and the team moving forward. We'll also have another special guest, so stay tuned for that at that time. But first, we have to bring on Kevin Kincaid because his boy, Carson Wentz, was released. Oh, fuck off. His boy (laughs) got cut. He's yeah, going right. to be on his fourth team in four years, fourth team in seven years. He holds a 46-45 in one career record. He had 16,000 passing yards in his 68 games with the Eagles, Kev. He's had 6,000 since. But you know what? Who cares? He's made $105 million. The guy's going to be perfectly fine. How you feeling today? I know it's a tough one for you. It was raining all last night. It's kind of foggy out right now, and your boy Carson Wentz got cut. Why is Carson Wentz my boy? Because, because I don't hate his, because him. I don't hate his guts. Because like uh, I mean, this is like this is your logic. This is you and Bob, no, no. Investor Mike's logic. It's like oh, uh, Kincaid doesn't hate Carson Wentz's guts with all of every fiber of his being. So that means he's a Carson Wentz supporter. You know, well, Carson Wentz like, apologist. Oh, an apologist, right? Because I pointed out that in 2019 he had nobody to throw to. You know, I, you guys are like, you guys are incapable of like parse like any kind doing any kind of. You turn into WIP callers when it comes to parsing. It. You guys probably all got together last night. You did the circle jerk. <laughs> you and Bob and Mike. Oh, Carson Woods got released. Oh, you know, like Beavis and Butthead. You're probably sitting there saying like, "Oh, we're gonna fucking jerk off this." Played the soggy Carson Wentz first one, last one to lose has to eat. Fucking weirdos with the Carson Wentz stuff, man. So crazy. I've never like people just hate like hate the dude more than anything. You know, he's a bona fide zit neck, a thousand percent loser. (laughs) Like he is a loser. I don't disagree, but you can say that and also say that like his best receiver in 2019 was like a tight end. Was Zach Ertz in the top more than, 11 more than one attack. thing can be true. More than one thing can be true. Nuance. It's like so people get such a like a raging like boner, anti Wentz boner. It's just like crazy. The dude hasn't played here in uh, you know, three to two seasons, no. two full seasons, you know. So. No, see, now you're being a now you're being a crossing broad Facebook commenter who's who yells at us when we write stories about Carson Wentz and Ben Simmons. We're like, move on. They're not here anymore. The people have sh- have showed by patterns of web traffic and whatnot that they're still interested in the story. I'm not. I don't give a shit about it one way or another. But people obviously want to know what's going on with him. They want to know what's going on with Ben Simmons. They want to know what's going on with all these other people. So I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't set the editorial guidelines for Crossing Broad based on what I like or what I want to do. Like I look at what people read and what people seem to be interested in, and then I do it that way. You know, the so. people's editor. I like that. Yeah. No, 2019, going back to 2019, and, I, and I, I, I've said this before. I hate Carson Wentz. I hate Ben Simmons, and I will continue to hate them for as long as they have a career in pro sports. I will follow them to the depths of hell, and I will, I will cheer for everything bad that's happened to them, and I am coming out smelling like roses right now. That, back to that 2019 thing, though, I mean, the dude beat four teams that were a combined 15 and 33 at the end of the season. I know people are like, he never had a weapon. There's that stat out there that's like he's the first quarterback ever to throw for 4,000 yards and not have a receiver with 500 uh, yards receiving. I think Alshon had like 490 or something like that. But he had a top 11 rushing attack between Miles Sanders. Had a great year. 1,300 all-purpose yards from the scrimmage. I, I didn't know that. And he had a number one. He had, uh, he had Dallas, he had Dallas Goddard also had 600 yards and 
and uh, Zach Ertz had 900 yards. And then he had a number one offensive line. I, I hate that take. I hate the take that we don't win the Super Bowl without Carson Wentz. I think we don't win the Super Bowl with Carson Wentz. I think. Oh, fuck anyone. off. No, 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 no. Fucking bullshit. Here we go. Without Wentz, we don't no. win the Super Bowl. No, that is so I fucking think- bullshit. No, you, you're sitting no. here saying, you're sitting here and say, saying like, oh, well, um, you know, I don't think, you know, Wentz would have beaten Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Man, nobody thought Nick Foles was going to beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. So that should tell you right there. Anyone could have been under center. Anyone could have been under center and won that year. You tell me that the Carson Wentz at his peak in 2017, if he had continued playing at that level, was going to lose to Tom Brady. And so nobody knows. Nobody can say for sure. But the fact of the matter is that when they – when he left injured at the end of that run, they were 11-2. and And because of his play and the play of the defense in the regular season, it helped set Nick Foles up with the number one seed. And then the rest is history. Why is it so hard to, to give credit to both of those guys and say that? Because you're, you're like, the, I'm saying. the Carson Wentz people won't give any like any credit for anything. It's like you're like on one side of the political spectrum where like all the liberals think anybody in the middle is like a raging MAGA and everybody on the right thinks people in the middle are like libtards or something like that. It's like you guys are incapable of like using any kind of like applying any kind of nuance to the argument. Okay. You think that anybody who makes a point that is like, can be construed as somewhat defending Carson Wentz is like a Carson Wentz apologist or some shit. You know? No, no, no. no. Let, let, let's, let's put some nuance to the table. Uh, Darren Sproles having to step to Carson Wentz for Carson Wentz being pissed off that the Eagles were having success without him. Probably, stupid, man. Yeah. yeah, probably rooting against Nick Foles again in the 2018 playoffs when the ball went through Alshon Jeffrey's hands and they probably beat the Saints because they're driving there and they go on to win the Super Bowl for back-to-back Nick Foles, uh, Nick Folesian Super Bowls. Then you also have the Jalen Hurts pick. Now, he was all upset about that. The dude hadn't finished a season three out of the four seasons that he was in the league. So it's like there, there's your nuance right there of telling you that like Carson Wentz probably does not beat Tom Brady because I don't think he has it between the ears. I mean, listen, I think I uh, total fucking hypothetical. Nobody knows he, no. didn't play in the, he didn't play in the game like he was old. They're not. You know, I mean, I mean then a nobody, hypothetical nobody going in, nobody going into that game had was had this overwhelming thought that Nick Foles was going to play the game of his life and beat Tom Brady. In the Super. By the way, Brady threw for 500 yards in that game anyway. So it was, it was a, the defense was a story. But everybody thinks that like um, you guys talk about Carson Wentz like he's like Christian Hackenberg or something, and it's like he's not. I know no, but no Carson he's Wentz now. apologist ever said that he was like the second coming of Joe Montana. But like in he, that twenty nineteen, he, he was season, he was John were, Elway reincarnated. He was John Elway. Were, in 2017, he was yeah. not in 2018 or 2019. No, not in 2018 or 19. They were but nine and seven. They were nine and seven, and they went to the playoffs. It wasn't. It wasn't like it was like. You know, Sam, it wasn't like it was like Zach Wilson with the Jets. You know, nobody nobody was sitting there saying that it was like, you know, that he's the greatest thing ever in 2019. We we all saw the the downturn just like anybody else did. But people were talking about this dude like he did something personal to you guys, you know, because it, it was like he's the worst person ever. I'm so like offended by this person. Carson Wentz makes me want to kill myself. I'm like, dude, it's just like a quarterback of the team, man. It's like, there's probably something in the middle here. You know, he did offend me. He offended me because I put all my eggs in one basket and he was supposed to be my franchise quarterback for the next 15 years. That's what happened. That's how he offended me. What's going he, on with the chat here? Cause the chat just mirac- like 40 messages just appeared in the chat. I didn't see any of these two seconds ago. Am I like lagging or something here? Okay, no, I, I think you're doing, it. I think you're fine. I think you're fine. Right. I think the chat's okay. just, I think the chat just loves the discourse between, okay. between Carson Wentz. What okay. I, no, what I don't like is the people that are saying that 
We never won a Super Bowl without him. And they just go back to the 2019, that four wins that just absolutely. No, it's not the the take. It's not that the take is not that we would never, we would not have won a Super Bowl with, without Carson Wentz. The take is that he deserves credit. He deserves credit for what he contributed to that team. Like he played a significant role in setting them up in a position where they got the Falcons at home and where they got the Vikings at home. Right. I mean, that was trying to internally be a virus in the locker room. I don't fucking I mean, look, you can go back and we can you know talk about Santa Laquito's article and all that stuff. I don't think there was anybody out there who was like sitting here saying that, um, you know, Carson, like disputing, saying, no, he's a great guy. I mean, the dude, he's obviously like everyone, a weirdo. He's, everyone he's, disputed that. No, no. What I'm saying, you're not listening to what I'm saying. What I'm saying right. is like, the, he's not some like piece of shit. Right. Okay. He's just like awkward and like a little selfish and he didn't get along with dudes in the locker room, but the dude did charity shit in this town. He's not some like, he's not some like total zero. Right. Okay. He was not a good locker room leader by all uh, accounts and reports and anecdotal stories. Like he was a little selfish and immature and that's fine. I'm no, nobody really like disputed that. I'm just saying you guys were treating him like he was like some like total piece of shit loser when he wasn't, he was just like a country bumpkin doofus who really didn't fit in well here and wasn't a good locker room guy. So that's all there is to it. I mean, you guys treat it like he's the worst person in the world. I'm like, I, piece, piece of shit. No, piece of shit. No. Okay. Loser. Yes. That's fine. That's fine. That's all I've ever wanted anybody to say. It's like, you know, I hear all this stuff about he's got neck zits and he shoots ducks and he's like a North Dakota asshole or something. I'm like, okay. Well, well not a- North Dakota hick. Okay, well, there's a lot of people in Berks County who are like that too. Okay, and they're Eagles fans. So, I don't, and if I don't, they can throw the ball seventy <laughs> yards, and they and, and they and they rooted against the Eagles when they got injured, and their backup came in, and then was on their fourth team in seven years or four team in four years, but still made yeah. 105 million dollars. I'd call them a loser too. You know who else was a religious country bumpkin? Nick Foles was a religious country bumpkin. Nobody cared about that. Stop it. No, he was a religious dude from Texas. Like he's a Republican. He wanted to go to the Super Bowl thing at the Trump with the Trump administration. You know, nobody gives a shit about that because he won the Super Bowl. So I don't, I don't give a shit about Carson Wentz one way. I just want people to stop like thinking, you know, stop talking about it. Like he's like the this total zero piece of shit loser. Like he had a downturn, he got injured, whatever. But people are talking about like he's like the worst person in the world. He's, he's not the worst person in the world. So I think. As long as Putin's still around. I think the reason (laughs) Putin, Carson Wentz, you're exactly exactly how would you rank those two? Yeah, Yeah, I go, I go Putin, Wentz. We'll have to see what happens this season for Wentz, and then I'll, uh, and and then Simmons, and then we'll relitigate this. uh, And then Simo the Savage, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I do also think the vitriol of Carson Wentz would be a lot worse if Howard H. Roseman, the H stands for Howitzer, the greatest GM of my generation, arguably the greatest GM in Philly sports history, didn't turn Carson Wentz and that week 17 meaningless game that Sal Powell wanted a forensic investigation conducted into, into A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Jordan Davis, uh, a 10th overall pick in 2023 and a 2024 second rounder. If Howie Roseman didn't perform acts of God, yeah, the vitriol would be way more deserved, way more, yeah. uh, way more harsher, I think, to uh, to to Carson Wentz. And, and how did he repay him? He requested a trade. He requested a trade, and now look at him. Yeah, 
I didn't want to spend the first half hour of the show relitigating the Carson Wentz <laughs> thing, but it's just like I, I you know, I'm I'm just more like shocked that a dude who was drafted number two overall and you know was playing some great football in 2017. I mean, like if he if he ends up being a, I don't think he's getting a starting job anywhere else at this point, but if he ends up being like a backup and you know extends his career that way, I mean, he'll have played. How many playoff minutes? I mean, when did he go out in that Seattle game? When did Clowney knock him out? Was that in the first? I think it was the first half. Yeah, it might be the first quarter. Half, yeah. the first drive. So, so he'll have played. Yeah, so he'll have after all these years and and all the stuff that was all the hype around him and for the good football that he played early in his career for him to have to not even get through one full playoff game will be will be crazy to me. You know, the fact that it ended up that way after all that. Um, yeah, I got a hypothetical uh, for you. Can I throw one out there for you? You can give me another hypothetical. It's fine. Who retires first? Carson Wentz or Ben Simmons from pro sports? Now, we could also Ben Simmons can go play in China, Europe, all that shit and everything. Yeah. yeah. Who who retires first? Um, They're both like the same age, aren't they? No. No, um, no. Carson's Carson going to be 30 31 in December, I believe. And Ben is 20. What is he at this point? Seven for all I know. My God. Yes. Uh, you know, well, Ben Simmons could join the FaZe clan. He's Ben's turning 27 in the summer. So it's going to be Carson. It's going to be Carson. He could go play in the XFL for uh, Wade Phillips or, uh, or who was the other guy who was coaching? Then? Oh, Don Filippo. I watched a quarter of Bob. I watched a quarter of Bob Stoops versus Wade Phillips the other night in the XFL. I actually kind of like the XFL because it's all the college dudes that I loved who aren't good mm-hmm. enough to play in the NFL. But uh, no, to answer the question, yeah, I would say that um, that uh, Wentz retired. First. I agree with Ford. Yeah, Wentz is coming from a dude who can't find five minutes to hang a picture from. Yeah. <laughs> it's Ford does not understand feng shui. He does not understand <laughs> art. He does not understand fashion i he's probably from fucking bismarck north dakota ford i know you probably are it does so this is what it is i think you guys hate you guys hate the country bumpkins you don't like him because he's, don't a, hate country. he's a republican and he's a hunter that's why I don't, what do i give a shit i gotta stand up for burks for the people in burks county who are also hunters and uh republicans you know i, I don't like, have a I, people I got this bias against him he's like oh he's so they got all offended by the family values, whatever quote it was when he went back to when he went to India or something like that. All he was saying is that I'm a country bumpkin and I like to hunt and they're more redneck out here than they are in Philly. That's so all. That's why, really all that the, the quote was. Yeah. So this is what I, I think about the whole Carson Wentz, Ben Simmons, who retire first. I think Carson actually has like his second career already lined up. Like that's the hardest thing. Like he go think he goes back to North Dakota and was I like think a he coach start a ministry. Uh, oh, yeah. start the ministry. Okay. I think yeah, he goes he go back, back to North Dakota State and becomes like a coach there or something. I mean, if he starts another ministry, he'll just do another grift. We'll take a lot more money from people. So why not, you know, do it again? He's already uh, did it in his first career. Um, but he so also- for you're talking about Feng Shui, like your entire, like you, from your head level up to the ceiling, there's nothing on the wall. How can that be Feng Feng Shui is like arranging things in a certain way that makes sense when you have nothing above like two feet, nothing two feet above your dress. That's not feng shui. That's just minimalism. Like you have nothing on the walls. I've always been a minimalist, always yeah. been a minimalist. Yeah. I don't need things yeah. on my walls. I would know about not having things on walls. Cause I did a whole bathroom painting project this weekend and I fucked up the last layer of paint. Good. Now. Yeah. Like shit. So good. Yeah. Not everyone can have their Emmy in the background, you know? 
This is here, feng shui. Uh, Thank you. Yes. Here. Avoid sharp edges, shrink large windows, minimize electronics, organize your bookshelf. Organize. There you go. You're part of feng shui too there, Kev. You see, look, it's very nicely, uh, very nicely organized. Then I have like the 1987 closet doors to the, to the left of them. Reposition your bed, bring down tall ceilings, downsize a large room, keep workout. Nowhere on there does it say not hang your pictures and just lean them on the wall off the top of your dresser. So I think we'll leave the feng shui to me and um, is that a Chinese word? Feng shui. We'll leave it to me and the Chinese. <laughs> Can I finish here. my Carson Wentz, Ben Simmons point, please? Sure. Without being rudely interrupted. I've never rudely interrupted you in this history of this program. Um, going back to Carson Wentz, I think he could actually like also have a hunting show. He'd also have a, he has this, why not? Like he would have an, he would be an awesome, remember Wentz Outdoors, that thing, like that thing was a rocket ship and then kind of just yeah. farted out and uh, it kind of went, went the way of the dodo bird when he had that picture with his, with his yeah. two golden retrievers of those 70 ducks that were hanging on that barn door. And then I just don't think Ben Simmons has a second career yet. And he's also got $77 million that he's not going to give up. Uh, over the next two years, that is all guaranteed. I don't think he has the personality to be a video game content creator, and I just I I think he I don't I don't think he likes doing anything not half-assed. You don't think Ben will be a streamer? You don't think he'll sit there with the headset on and play like Call of Duty and like one million Zoomer dipshits will watch it? I never understood how people could watch other people play video games. I was dude. Out. I should have invented Twitch, Kev. I used to, I grew up watching people play video games. I liked playing, I liked watching people play video games more than I liked. I, I, would, I would get in on Madden and stuff, but like you gave me like MLB the show or like Mortal Kombat. I was like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. play this. I'll play Madden. But if it was other than that, I was like always watching kids. Always watching people. I was kids. just spending the whole time wondering when I was going to get the controller back. Like, all right, it's my you turn. You had cell phones though, man. Cell phones, you could, you could, you could waste away. No, I had an iPod touch. I had an iPod yeah. touch. You could waste your way on it and everything. Yeah. But, I don't know uh, what I did before cell phones, you know, like because if my like daughters they're like just playing for ten minutes or something, I'm like oh, let me just pull my phone up, look at my phone for a second. What did what did our parents do back in the day? Like pay attention to their their kids. Read the paper. Yeah, uh, read the newspaper. Yeah, Kevin DeFaze coupons. Yeah, I don't know. I saw some dickhead, some Phase Clan dickhead with a bad take, and I don't remember what it was or who it was, but I don't like Phase Clan because I saw a bad take from one other, from one of the guys. But is he just shut down for the rest of the year? Is this true? Philly fans saying that Ben Simmons was just shut down for the rest of the year. You got to get some Google in on that. Yeah, I'll um, just refresh Twitter. This is what will happen. Yokes is right, though. He says an 11-year-old will make fun of Ben and he'll quit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude, those COD lobbies back in the day. Or what do you sure they still are. He, what, do you, what do you think um, Nick Castellanos did with Ben Simmons' gaming room in his Morristown mansion? You think he dismantled it? Probably made it into a a, 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 a a children's like nursery. I don't know where it is. Maybe it's in the basement. Maybe it's just like his man cave and stuff. Because I know Ben has like this weird man cave, but he's also he probably made it storage. Honestly, it looked like a storage room that was converted into his uh, Sim of the Savage. I'm sending Craig the uh, Ben Simmons tweet. This kid who tweeted it, Jack Settlement. He's kind of all over the place. He's like that. He's like a big Snapchat guy. He's got oh, this guy. Jack, yeah, Sellem. Jack, Jack Sellem for less. Yeah. yeah, CEO and founder of Snackback Sports. He tweeted that breaking the Brooklyn Nets are planning on shutting down Ben Simmons from the remainder of the season per sources. Nets brass are disappointed with Simmons and looking into ways to offload his contract this summer. Good luck. If Tobias Harris is not tradable, no chance 
Wait, is this guy legit? I mean, because I've seen this guy. We wrote something about him last year around around the the trade deadline, and I think he actually was kind of right. I'm looking at it right now about the James Harden, Ben Simmons stuff, but there's still so much that had to – yeah, here you go. Harden, Simmons, watch 2022. Random blue check marks checking in. This is you wrote this. I don't know who Jack Settlement is. Reminds me phonetically of Jack Selling for Less Guy from the local <laughs> commercials. You literally just made that same joke. Either way, this dude is something like 30,000 followers, and he's saying this. Just received some interesting info regarding the Harden situation. Stay tuned. Wanted to confirm first, James Harden is intentionally being held out of tonight's game. That was February 8th. I don't believe they traded him until four days later. Um so yeah, take this take this with a grain of salt. You know, I don't know. Um, maybe he's being shut down. Maybe he's not. It'd probably be in the best interest of both teams to shut him down. Ben Simmons remains a total absolute loser. Now we rank him: Putin, Ben Simmons, Carson Wentz. Yeah. Wow, Jack, sell him for less. <laughs> uh, yeah, I need um, new material if that's the same joke that I thought of. This Craig, is what writers. Play? This is what writers do, though. We like we like to play on words. You know, this is the kind of. I was gonna do that with the Mike Barkan story over the weekend. I was gonna write the, the original headline was um, Michael Barkan offers bullshit apology, mm. which is a double entendre. But I didn't think our readers would understand the double entendre, so I changed it because they would have responded like, "What about the apology was bullshit?" I'm like, "No, he's apologizing for saying bullshit." Get it? Um, Come on, but, treat our treat our readers with with a sense of a level of respect, there, Kev. No, I think our core readers, the ones who don't comment on Facebook, uh, get it, but a lot of people don't get it. So I was just playing it. To, <laughs> what did you think about that, by the way? Did you think he should have had to apologize? No. Someone, I think someone actually, I think I read the comments on Facebook, and I actually agreed with one. And he said, "People have phone, uh, children have phones at their disposal now, and can and can pull something up on TikTok that is a hundred percent worse than what." Michael Barkan said, and I think that's 100% right. I think we have to really like kind of uh, reword FCC violations, in my opinion. I mean, the, the amount of yeah. shit that you can just Google nowadays and Michael Barkan's not allowed to say bullshit on the uh, after after a very emotional Super Bowl loss, um, who I, I would agree he spoke for for everybody. Uh, yeah. Probably one of the only times in recent memory I can think of Michael Barkan being somewhat authentic. Um, well, was he being authentic or was he just playing to the. No, the, I, I think a lot of people thought it was bullshit. I, yeah. I continue to think it was was bullshit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, I think people I think Michael, back. People were like you, man. I mean, the overwhelming majority of people are like, yeah, we shouldn't have had to apologize for that. I just yeah. thought that I just thought the script was like over the top, man. It was some like corporate like. This is, this yeah. is the world we live in with like cancel culture and all this shit. And like, I, you know, I, it's a privilege to represent you. And, uh, you know, I've learned a valuable lesson from this. And I, this does not reflect me or my family or anybody. Uh, you know, I'm like, dude, you know, it's like you just said bullshit on yeah. television. It's not like you like dropped a racial slur and then like punched your mom in the face and kicked somebody's dog or something. I mean, they made, they wrote this thing that made it seem like he was like, they reminded me of, <laughs> made me think of the tiger woods, <laughs> like apology when he was like staring awkwardly at like the wrong camera or something. And it was like, I was like, wow, this is the most uncomfortable thing I've ever watched in my entire life. I don't even remember what that was. Was that for cheating on his wife? Did he have to yeah, go he, cheating on his wife? Yeah. Apologize to like golf writers for cheating on his wife. Anyway, <laughs> what, are, <laughs> what, are, what do they have to do? do they? Because, 
He was yeah. losing millions of dollars in in, in sponsor fees. That's why no, I guess. people love people love an apology. I never understood the whole apology thing, the whole go the apology route. But man, people are not satisfied until you give them an apology. I just want to make one quick note here because I fucked it up in the story originally. <clears throat> I had like a brain fart. The FCC doesn't um, doesn't have jurisdiction over NBC Sports Philadelphia because they're uh, cable. It's it's. NBC and Telemundo are on the public spectrum, so that they're they literally borrow public airwaves to, to broadcast on. So FCC jurisdictions there, NBC Sports Philadelphia is where the line of demarcation. Is. So there's no FCC rules for them. But you remember when we were talking with with Brela Moore a couple of weeks ago? Like she's on Fox 29 and she was on mm-hmm. public TV in Kansas City too. So they have to worry about dude jumping in on the background saying "fuck yeah," you know? Yeah. So, you gotta worry about that, but not on NBC Sports Philadelphia, like because they don't, because that's not mandated. You know, they do have like general. Everybody's got to abide by like obscenity laws, right? But like, mm-hmm. that, you're not breaking an obscenity law by saying bullshit at 10:30 at night on cable. Obscenity law would be like if you showed like pornography on NBC Sports Philadelphia, like six o'clock in the evening. You know, <laughs> so that's that's the you know that's kind of how all that works. You know, so um, I wonder when they inevitably move to Peacock, what the rules will be then. Can Michael Barkan just say bullshit all he wants? That would be kind of cool. <laughs> I guess he can. Like him and Ricky Bowe saying like the seven words you're not allowed to say on TV after yeah. every heartbreaking Philly's loss, just bashing <laughs> shit with those. Funny bats that they that they uh, yeah. have in their hands during yeah. uh, cut-ins. I didn't, you know, I didn't get very far. I didn't chase that story too much, but um, you know, it just—I don't know if he was technically suspended or not. I don't think they ever just like, you know, ruled on that one way or another. Um, he probably would have been off the air anyway because like he doesn't do the the Sixers and the and the uh, Flyers. Anyways, there's like a little bit of a break there, but I was just told that they didn't, you know. Didn't want to make it a thing. Like it was, I guess it wasn't that it was a huge deal to NBC Sports for They're just like, let's not make this like let's not let's not normalize this. You know what I mean? So I I, I don't know. I get it. Like they don't they don't want to like they still got a yeah Im- image to uphold and all that, you know. We got uh we got a couple minutes until Mike Gill and our secret special guest comes on. Uh <laughs> Craig, can you can you pull up the uh the worst 14 month span of picks tweet that I tweeted out? I want to ask uh, Kev, maybe our uh, maybe uh, the chat, a little trivia question here. Um, so I tweeted out earlier, this is the worst 14th month span of picks from a major sports city ever, right? April 28th, 2016, Carson Wentz. June 9th, 2016, Mickey Moniak. June 23rd, 2016, Benjamin Simmons. June 26th, 22nd, excuse me, 2017, not even a year later, Markel Fultz. Culminating in June 23rd, 2017, Nolan Patrick, Kevin Kincaid. Who was the last to be traded from that list? The last to be traded? Yeah. Uh, Mickey Moniak. Bang. Yeah. yeah. Traded for Noah Syndergaard at the deadline on August Syndergaard. 2nd. Syndergaard. Yeah, he ended up being traded for a rental, huh? Um, oh well, now they got Marsh out of that, right? Didn't they? Yeah, they got Marsh out of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, crazy, crazy. Yeah, Fourteen yeah. months span. Someone did reply what? to this tweet and said the Detroit, uh, Detroit area from 2002 to 2003 had Charles Rogers, uh, Joey Harrington, and Darko, which is Darko. pretty tough. <laughs> yeah, Darko. That's a that's a pretty because t- that 2003 draft yeah. was literally one of the best drafts of all time. Well, you could I mean, go back even one. Yeah, if you wanted to make it like. Uh, Go back to 2015 and throw Okafor in there too. 
Um, yeah, that's that's the thing. That is that is the thing. Um, oh, who's the most goes. successful from this list? Who's the most successful from it? Probably Markel Fultz. Now, really, I would say Ben Simmons, three-time All Star, two-time All NBA defensive player. Yeah, right now, oh, overall, yeah, oh, overall, no, yeah, 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 overall Carson or overall. The, the 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 ceiling the person who had who hit the highest ceiling of this group was Carson in 2017. Um, ben mm-hmm. ended up with more accolades with the All Star games and whatnot. The guy who's currently got the best future right now, believe it or not, is Markel Fultz. Uh, Where is Nolan Patrick? Uh, they, he's he's not playing for Vegas. I think I, I want to say he's like injured or something. Or maybe they even moved him from Vegas. No, because he went to Nashville. He went to Vegas via Nashville, and then and now he's not. Like I remember looking this up a couple of weeks ago, and I think he had only played like a couple of games. Jesus. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Philly fans checking in here. He says Patrick is worse because the return was Ryan Ellis. Yeah, I guess Ben Simmons. We got uh, James Harden, Mickey Moniak. Like we said, we got Brandon Marsh, who's still serviceable. Ellis just isn't even playing. Markel Fultz. What do we get? Do we get like? Do He's we get Dwayne Dedman? Uh, no. no, they got they got um, Jonathan uh, um, yes. Simmons. Jonathan. Yeah, Jonathan Simmons. Yep, Jonathan Simmons and Wentz. I was worse than Wentz like, was probably the best return when you think yeah. about it. Yeah, um, yeah. But, Patrick's out for the season again. I'm sorry, he only played 25 <laughs> games last year. Oh, yeah. I feel bad for laughing, but Jesus yeah. Christ! Bring on, bring on Fire Doc here. Let's get Fire Doc on. The yeah, show. let's get our special guest in here while we wait for Mike Gill. Um, I'd like to um, introduce this guy. He's he's a great guy. Um, his name is is Doctor Jeff. In his daytime, he's a uh, oh, cardiovascular yeah. heart surgeon. Yeah. Um, you probably don't know who he is, but you understand. You should understand that he's. If you like listening to me and Kev, you like reading me and Kev. It's his fault why we are still being able to do what we are doing. Because without him, a couple years back, Crossing Broad might have been belly up. This is investor emeritus, Doctor Jeff. What's up, guys? <laughs> Kev, it's good to see you, buddy. Up, man. I feel like Great. I'm like on an angle or something here. Ah, you're so, fine. You're no, fine. I know you're making fine. your uh, your StreamYard podcast. Is this your podcast debut? This is my podcast debut, you know, so uh, be gentle. Okay. I think no, no, I was on one. We did one at Carlino's one time where I was on for like 10 seconds with Phil. Oh, I was oh, in yeah. diapers. Yeah. When you remember you that? that? Yeah, you were in diapers back then. You were yeah. Um. So when Mike Gill comes on, he'll be the nuanced, you know, rational thinking guy. He'll give those opinions that like you'll understand. Jeff, we love to bring on because he's a Sixers fan, and as you know, it's been a tumultuous Hold season. On. It's been a tumultuous five years. <laughs> just, just leave the iPad alone, Jeff. Just, I know it's, it's making it's, me. It's I'm, I'm self conscious. All right, You're I'm fine. fine. You're good, I'm good, man. You look good. good. We've had people like do this show while they're in the car, like yeah. on the. Phone, I need like, a giant yeah. microphone though. Why don't no, we, it's good. Why you sound good, man. Yeah. We got 60-year-old Howie Roseman on the show, says Philly fan. What is uh, that? That's mean. That's not like mean. Taking, Howie's a good-looking dude. Taking shots already. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Jeff, I, before we get Mike on, I want to talk to you. So, you know, you have the highs and the highs of the Grizzlies win last week, and then you have two straight losses. And anyone that wants to follow Jeff knows that his his Twitter ramblings are basically like Jack Nicholson in The Shining mixed with like the pessimism of like Dr. House. You tweeted last night after the loss. Are you after where, the loss? Where are we wow. at on the season tickets? I'm out. You're I done. I, yeah, yeah, I'm done. I could I ate them last night. I couldn't give them away. I was trying. I was calling people at like six fifteen trying to give these tickets away. I had them on StubHub for like half of what face value is. Nobody wanted them. Uh, and it's, you know, it's like, what's the point at this point? I don't want to go to a first round playoff game against the Wizards. 
you know, I can, uh, I, I can buy my own tickets next year and not have to sit here and try to, you know, sell tickets, you know, uh, all the time. Um, you look beaten down. It's the same yeah. thing over and over again. It's kind of like, what's, what's the point, you know? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. But were you back on board after the Memphis win? No. Why would I be back yeah, on board? The Memphis? No, I, w- I was not back on board. I was like, what does on board mean? Did I think they're going to win a title this year? No, I never thought they were going to win a title this year. Um, they're not beating Boston, so it doesn't matter. Um, the Memphis one was great. Like, that was actually one of the most fun games I've been to in years. Unbelievable. Um, but, you know, uh, again, yeah, you can just go and, and, and buy a few uh, buy a few games before the season starts. I don't need to deal with the whole season. Before. And I split them with P. I don't have a whole 40-whatever games, but we split them. And we're all kind of just tired of it at this point. You know, it's been the same thing for – how long have you been a season ticket holder? I think it's been like four or five years now. I had season tickets back when uh, for a couple of years during Iverson. Took a took a while off because I wasn't here. And then, uh, yeah, it's been like four or five years. The Jimmy year uh, was the last one? The Jimmy year? No, I think the year before that. Okay. The first one was when we started. Uh, and I actually joined a package with a couple other guys. But anyway, it's been, yeah, it's been a few years. Um the thing that sucks is, you know, Embiid's probably the best player of my lifetime, right? Guys, generational, like, you know, I'm 60 years old, as we, as we know, and, and the chance of having a, a, a guy that good again in my lifetime is pretty slim. And the fact that I like, and that's not just me. I know a lot of people that are giving up tickets, you know, Investor Mike's plus 400 now to, to you know, re-up. And it's a shame because, like, we should want to go and, and, and see this guy play while he's in his prime. And it's just like, they just beating me down, man. This team is just beating me down. But the Memphis game was awesome. Don't get me wrong. It was a fun end of the game. My kid was there. Like, I'm glad he got to see that. So that's where so, I am. So here's the thing. It's like everybody's saying that they're not going to be at Boston anyway. It's a foregone conclusion. Um, and, like, I agree with that. I don't like I came in in the season. I thought Boston was a better team, but I think that the best three teams in the NBA are all in the East. So I'm trying to balance it by saying, I get why people are out on them, but does that mean that we're, so what does that mean? We're not going to watch them for the rest of the year. Yeah, or of I'm, gonna, I'm taking tomorrow night off, but I'm going to watch. Of course I'm going to watch. And like, who knows? Like uh, they could go on a run. Like, uh, Anything can happen, right? You know, Giannis was a loser until he wasn't. You know, he, won, and he wins a title. We're just watching you in live time talk yourself back into the Sixers. This <laughs> no, no, the I'm not talking myself back into it. This is the I'm no, you, you are. You're like, hey, listen, they rattle off like four out of the next five on the road. I'm, I might be back in. <laughs> I might be. You never know. It's possible. No, but, but you know what I mean. This is, this is this is why it's so freaking ridiculous, and why we have to keep them at an arm's length because they've literally shown us nothing and they deserve nothing and they might never ever deserve anything. But you know what? I'd rather this than go back to the Doug Collins years and the Eddie Jordan years of a seventh seed and losing in the first round. Uh, Yeah, that's absolutely true. And it just like speaks to the fact that Embiid is that good. Like the guy is that good. I think he's the best player in the NBA right now. Like he's taken, I just saw a stat sometime today where they have the best number one clutch defense in the, in the league whatever clutch it is, five, last five minutes, whatever. Yeah. And that's because of him. I mean, you guys saw the Memphis game. Even in the Boston game, he had uh, some big blocks. He had a block last night. Like, he's unbelievable. Um, and as long as you have that guy, you have a chance. I mean, but 
you know how I feel about the coach. And I think the chance Embiid gives you is basically negated by the fact that the coach is not going to allow you to, to get there. That's yeah. kind of my take on it. So let, uh, let us bring on Mike Gill. Um, if we can, if we can get Mike in here, uh, Mike, how are you, man? You know me, I'm Kyle. It's Kevin. This is the uh, former crossing broad investor, Jeff. He's providing the fan opinion. You are obviously providing the more nuanced thought out rational thoughts of an opinion. So we appreciate you <laughs> coming on in between the, uh, the, the, the constant uh, wanting Doc's head from Jeff. Um, we were just How talking doing, about Mike? Jeff's been a Jeff's been a season ticket holder for about five years right now, and he's he's done. He's not renewed. He 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 says he's over with it. Have you been hearing that from any of your friends, any of your colleagues, or anything? Like what what's been going on there? Oh yeah, I mean, it feels like apathy is starting to set in on social media. Anyway, they're still selling out, which is something, right? I mean, the building's still full. I don't know how much longer that kind of translates over, but the social media uh, firestorm of every night seems to be out the window a little bit. Now, is it coming back because the Eagles are done and like you had a little week off and like they played a couple big games? Maybe. But yeah, I agree that there's not the same feel and buzz around this team that there was. And I don't, you know, we're 10 years. It's 10 years since Michael Carter Williams won rookie of the year. Those people are now like in their thirties or forties, depending on where they were when they were like, Hey, I'm a process guy. Those guys are 10 years older now. And maybe now they've become apathetic to not getting what they thought they were going to get. So yeah, I, I definitely am feeling it and hearing it and seeing it. So let me ask you this. We knew that they had a really hard schedule coming out of the all-star break. Memphis is number two in the West. Boston is number one in the East. Miami's in the playoff picture as it is. If I told you that they were going to go two and one out of that stretch, would we have been happy with that? I think so. And I guess what I'm trying to point to here as I play like a little bit of devil's advocate is they lost to Boston on a buzzer beater and they had a chance to beat Miami on a buzzer beater. So if the margins are that slim, the difference between, excuse me, one and two versus two and one, based on two shots, I mean, would it have changed anything for either one of you guys, Mike first, and then Jeff, if you want to follow up with from from there, if they had won either Boston or well, Miami? I, I tweeted out after the Boston game, like, you should be encouraged, not discouraged. Like, you closed the gap. You played much better. It came down to a shot. They hit a shot. Tatum didn't have a great night. Harden didn't have a great night. They shot 44% from three. You shot about 22% from three. You're a better three-point shooting team statistically than them. If you hit 38%, which is your average, you would have won that game. So you're right kind of there. It's just these little things that your bench isn't deep enough. The backup center spot's just an absolute disaster again. How do you close the gap with those those things? Well, I don't know. Can you ask him B to play 45 minutes instead of 40? You know, that's the big difference. So I don't think, to me, it's those things because – but the average fan, just you keep losing to Boston, and you're just like, we can't beat them. That's all it is. It's like the Phillies thing. I saw them lose every game that matters, so they can't make the playoffs until they did. It's not going to be until we're in the moment and it happens that you're going to win people over. No matter what, they could win all three of these games, and I don't think that would have changed people's perception. People yeah. are just like, I will believe in you when I see you do it in the second round of the playoffs. That will be the only thing that will change people's you know, it's like the Phillies. I'll believe it when you make the playoffs. Okay, you made the playoffs. Great. Now I'm on board. 
for the Sixers, it's not just making the playoffs. It's I'll believe it when I see you get out of the second round. I don't know. For me, Boston and Miami makes it worse. Now, I agree with Mike. Like, I was obviously pissed when they lost to Boston, but they were right there. They played well. Like, I felt better about it than I expected. Then you come out the next game, the team that sent you home last year, you know, uh, you just lost a, a, a heartbreaker to your biggest rival, and you come out, and Jimmy Butler's got, what, eight offensive rebounds in the first half? Like, you're not boxing out. Guys are just throwing the ball away. And it's like the same – am I allowed to curse? The same shit. Yeah. The same shit. And it's just, they lose the same way every year for, for, for years now. I mean, there, there's just not – and Embiid said it after the game. Again, again, again. We don't have focus for 48 minutes. And it's like – Getting to the point where it's like Andy Reid saying he's got to do a better job. Just do the do what you got to do. Stop saying it. Play for forty eight minutes. Does know, it show focus against a, a mediocre, frankly, Miami team? I, I think um, the fact too, Jeff, that it's the Heat. You know, they are perceived yeah. to just be tougher, yes. more uh, a better coached team, yes. and it's just like they're not even as good as you are talent wise, but yet they're still able to get you. They that weren't I, as good. In, in the playoffs last year, I mean, yeah, you didn't have Embiid for the first two games. That's fine. You tied that series up at two, and then you basically took a dump in, in game five and game six when you were basically at full strength. And, again, and they even admitted last year it was we weren't mentally tough enough. Mm -hmm. So let's go get P.J. Tucker. Great. You're still not mentally tough enough. I mean, that guy's been playing really well lately. I don't blame him. But, you know, unfortunately, I think it does come from, from the franchise guy a little bit, and I think a lot of it comes from the coach. So. Say a little bit of loser energy there on the uh, on the old Sixers uh, organization. A little loser a little, stink. A little, little bit, I yeah. think. Not as much. I will say, and uh, they have shown more resiliency. This, I mean, they have been down double digits in all of these games. They won the Memphis game. They took the lead in the Boston game. They were down ten with what five minutes left. They took the lead for a second, and they uh, tied it up last night. They were down, I think, eleven in the fourth quarter. So they do have a little more fight in them this year, but. It's hard to like, hard to imagine. Imagine it's going to be enough, and uh, you know, Jeff, does it yeah. start and stop at the depth of the Sixers team, or like, can, they can't just compete with the elites because maybe they don't have the horses, or or would the coach be able to get more out of these guys? Do you think? I mean, you know what I think. I think the coach. No, and I, I actually would like to know what Mike thinks. I think the coach is absolutely the biggest problem frankly and i think a, a better coach i would i would feel like they had a, ch a shot against anybody to be honest with i think kevin's right by the way i do think the three best like i don't really i wouldn't i would give them a shot against any team in the west i don't know what we, phoenix looks like yet with durant but i think the three best teams are in the east and frankly i think they have a shot against milwaukee i think they match up pretty well Funny, um jevin was on my show like two weeks ago and and i think you brought it up like I, I asked the question because people hated Brett Brown. By the end, they wanted to kill the guy. And would, would, would the people now who hated Brett Brown actually take him back at, to get rid of Doc? <laughs> like, is it at that I point? Would. Is it at that point that they hate the coach that much that they would rather have Brett Brown back? Lower I, Marion's in the playoffs tonight. I would take their coach over Doc. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you. <laughs> The mo I feel like sometimes when you like look at these guys and, and, and you see this and, and you, if you just gave up like an I was at the PCL championship last night and like you could just feel how much the game mattered. And it was just like a bunch of high school kids that like just just you could just feel how much it mattered. And then like but if 
back in the, when you're like 14 to 18 years old and you lose by 18 and you're like one of the best teams in you know, the, the, the conference, you want to come back the next time and blow the absolute doors off your next opponent. How much is it motivation with these guys that they just can't get motivated? And, I, and this kind of goes back to Brett Brown, too. I didn't see Brett Brown ever really motivating the guys. I don't think Doc Rivers is good at motivating. Is motivating, like, is that, a, well, that, is that I important? Think, see, I think it's the most important. That's what I like. To, to me, the NBA coach is, it is what it is. People think it's the coach's fault all the time. We always default to the coach. But where I do hold the coach accountable is what you're saying is what's the culture? How much do they like playing for you? How prepared are you? How much pregame film work do you know what's happening? The in-game stuff, yeah, like there's a moment in the game where the coach, but his rotations, I, I, he's got to understand that those are killing the, the Paul Reed played five minutes the other night. It's incomprehensible that he's a minus 14. It's impossible to happen and yet it happens all the yeah. time i don't understand it and how you can't stagger those guys differently after you're watching and beat has a seven point lead he goes out they get to the tv timeout they're down by two and beat comes back in they take the lead again they go right back and he's down how do you not see that pattern and say i have got so those are the things i think you got to hold the coach more accountable for than the night in, night out, where people blast these guys all the time. I think we blast coaches too much in the NBA. But how do you not see those trends and adjust them is preposterous. Because that's what that's what it's. If we could do the knee jerk, like you're riding like the rickety roller coaster, like what's that shitty wooden roller coaster at Dorney, like Hercules or something? We could act like we're on that, and we're and we're just on this like rickety thing, and we're like overreacting to every night. But it's like I was saying when I was on with you last week, Mike. It's like the stuff that we're talking about this year is the same thing that we were talking about last year. The same thing we were talking about the year before. Where it's like, what are we? What are the topics? Who's the backup center? You know, what are they going to do in the non-embed minutes? You know, did Doc dive enough into his bench and explore what he has rotationally in the regular season? Do they go back to House and try giving him some minutes, right? Because Niang can't hit, can't throw the ball in the ocean right now if he was standing on the Atlantic City pier, right? So it's it's all the same stuff that we're talking about, which is why I think this like this like malaise is more it's like a lingering thing and it's less about i'm going to react nightly based on what the what the result is no there's no more ben simmons to blame so no, no. it's something it's different also, because it's also, it was, right yeah it's also yeah. not just a backup center issue i think it's a backup wing issue which it might even be a bigger problem at this point like yeah. reed is reed he was fine in the playoffs last year like he makes mistakes but he's athletic I mean, it's not ideal, and they're going to put Tucker at, at, at center a lot probably in the playoffs. He started doing it already. They don't have – like you said, Niang, if he's not hitting threes, utterly worthless. House doesn't play. Who else is a – I mean, Shake's not a wing. I mean, not really. No. He's a guard. Yeah. They don't yeah. have anybody. So they go um, trade for Jalen McDaniels, and they give him give McDaniels. him like 10, 10 minutes, you know, and it's like you got to – like you, you don't have a lot of time before the playoffs, but you got to figure out what you got in this guy right now. And I just never feel like yeah. they do enough experimentation, exploration of these guys because then Doc will get to the playoffs. He'll be rolling out 10 guys. Right. You know, and he should be uh, trimming the – when really in the first round, you should be playing nine, and by the second round, you should probably only be playing eight in the first Well, round. like the other night, they play Boston – Boston has eight, nine guys. Their best guys are playing 35 minutes. Your guys, you got James Harden. I mean, you've watched that game. It's a, it's the old guys on the court and the young guys on the court, and the young guys are not playing as many minutes as the old guys. I mean, Embiid's playing 40 minutes. Harden, That's Doc. One. It's been Doc for 20 years. Yeah, but you're riding your oldest guys and playing them 40-41, and 
they're going deeper than you and playing less minutes. So you don't have the depth and you're playing more minutes and you're older and less athletic. That's a bad combination where you're right. The coach has to, to, to notice that and say, I cannot run these guys for 40 minutes against this team. The problem is if he takes them out, their 15 point lead evaporates. Maybe he needs yeah, a heart surgery on, on the staff. Maybe he needs <laughs> yeah. a heart surgery on his staff. So I don't know that yeah. the old guys don't need it on their heart. You know, I'm not a surgeon. We've, we've been through this. Um, He's a cardiologist. He doesn't cut people <laughs> open. He just makes sure this. <laughs> but this guy heart. had SGA buried on the bench. Like, this is not a new thing. You know, we can talk about Isaiah Joe if you want. I don't frankly need to, but the guy can I'll play. About, more I'll talk about Isaiah Joe because I don't, I'm not. He's, gonna... He wasn't going to play here. And I don't think he was going to hold up against Tatum or, or those guys. So people get really upset because he's playing well on OKC. That, who is actively tanking at this point almost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I don't get that worked up about that, but to just cut the guy, that's, you know, that's more because, of a more. Because thing, you but. know what it is, it's the same thing. It's, it, I don't think anybody's naive to sit here and think that like their playoff hopes hinged on what Isaiah Joe is doing off the bench, but it's right. the constant nagging of them not exploring the margins and not doing mm-hmm. enough to figure out what they have. Well, in these it, makes, it makes you question the you know the evaluation of young talent like how are you missing the and and why aren't you using them the right way and not getting what what other teams are getting from this is constant that guys are going elsewhere and giving me i was a big bassy fan i I think they they whiffed on bassy big time they have no rim protector they have nobody that can rebound yes reed is athletic and he's fun to watch and he can jam and he's he's got good skills but he's not what they need for that position. Bassey was a was a rim protector. He could block shots. He could rebound. And if you need it, people keep looking at the backup center as a guy who has to score. That guy doesn't have to score the whole season. Just prevent the other team from scoring for eight minutes. That's it. Yeah, that's Bassie how you have to do. do that. And they never gave him. He played like two games. And in the two games he played, he was the equivalent of an NBA all-star. I mean, a guy averaged like 14, 15 points and 10 rebounds when he got the chance to play. And quite frankly, went out to San Antonio and played well. And now they're not using him either. So this is a little weird. I don't know why. Now, they just signed him to some big, not a big deal, but a decent sized deal. So maybe they see something in him. But you keep saying like, okay, this is a team that hasn't been able to shoot the three. Well, now Isaiah Joe can shoot. Now the team's a little bit. Do you know they're the fourth best three-point shooting team in the league? Yeah. Yeah, that's bonkers, yeah. isn't it? I know, I know, it's crazy because a lot of what you see on the uh, statistically like goes against what you would, what you think your eyes are telling you, you know. And I think I still think the biggest problem for them. You talk about coaching, you talk about rotations, you can talk about backups and all this shit. I think when you watch like that that Celtics game the other night, Embiid was on, and like they were throwing him the ball in the post down the stretch, and he was just bulldozing guys. He was getting to the line, but he's got to work so hard in those end of game scenarios where you're trying to close through a big, right? I mean, look at the play that they won on with Jason Tatum. They throw him the ball. They throw an inbound pass. They let him get ahead of steam coming from his side of the court. And then he just put, you know, behind the back dribble and he spots up for, or pulls up for a three pointer. And like, you can't do that when you're, when you're closing through and bead, he can stand there and he can shoot over you, shoot a three pointer over you. Cause he's seven foot tall, you know? But, I mean, they got just have to work so much harder, it feels like, for these late-game offensive possessions because their best player is a big. Whereas these perimeter guys, like your Tatums and your Browns and the other guys that they're going to go go uh, up against in the playoffs, it just seems like it's just so much like easier for them to generate decent looks. Well, you got to go up against a double team and try to get to the foul line, you know? It's something to be asked about 
we always blame the coach. And I'm not saying that the coach has no he, – he, he certainly, as I mentioned before, the rotations and, and the, I, I think just the energy is just not there. But how many coaches in this league, in the current style of the league, have an offense – Built around a player like that, it's almost like Iverson. No, it's just not. It's not. Yeah, yeah. You had it's this. Just, it's a player that nobody knew what to do with, and you just kind of wasted all this time because nobody could figure out what to do with them except for, hey, let's just put four defensive players around them and let them shoot. Well, now you have coaches who the league is so wide open, yet you have this unique player, and you're like, I don't really know what to do with him, and I think that kind of is part of their issue sometimes. At what point yeah, they, they start don't... blaming uh, Daryl? You know, because you, you look at it, and, and he did a great job this year with, you know, D'Anthony Melton. He easily won the Harden-Simmons trade now that we can relitigate that. People were able to swallow the P.J. Tucker stuff because it kept, you know, Harden making less money and whatnot, and, you know, he wanted that and stuff and put Daniel House in there too. But then you got these moves like, you know, George Hill, Jalen McDaniels, Dwayne Dedman, like guys that we we needed those kind of guys like off the bench to to spell these guys and everything. And now – um uh Tony Bradley's available, Nerlens Noel's available, and Dwayne Dedman hasn't played in a month and a half because he's got a bad hip or something like that. How long until Daryl kind of gets the the finger pointed? It does not matter because well, he's a coach. It's a little early to give up on McDaniel's, I think. And and I, you know, I, I, I frankly, I'll give Doc credit. Like he's played him, you know, and we'll see if he can play. The guy was in in Charlotte, you know, in a losing situation, so you got to see if the guy can play. It's a little early for that. The Dedman thing makes absolutely no sense. The guy does, is not even healthy. Meanwhile, you have like Cody Zeller, who they just brought you know, off his couch and, and runs down and, and swats him at the rim last night. And like you said, no, New Orleans is available. Now you got wings that are, that were available. Uh, you know, uh, love was available. Maybe he didn't want to come here. He would have helped. Um, but I do think like there, whatever the dynamic is between the front office, Maury and, and the coaching staff with doc, it's very strange. Uh, I'm not convinced they're on the same page, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, this kind of speaks to why you cut Isaiah Joe and Bassey, uh, you know, guys that frankly were good picks at where they got them. I mean, they were both picked in the fifties, I think. Um, and they have drafted pretty well. They just haven't developed anybody. And I can't figure out my theory is I don't think Maury at this point has the authority to fire doc. I think they're sort of somehow on some sort of equal footing, but you know, you got to have a hierarchy, I think, and it doesn't seem like they have one. And I, you know, I don't know if Kevin has any insight on this, but not anymore. No, because I'm not. I'm not on the. <laughs> I'm not on the Sixers beat anymore. You know, I used to see Mike down there. I used to see you like every game, Mike. You know, and it's just I don't. You know, I pulled back from that because I have different responsibilities with the company now. Um, I'm a middle manager, so. Um, but it, it's funny because I look at it from an editorial standpoint. I'm like, okay, well, everybody's keeping them from arm's length at arm's length until the playoffs then like i'm sitting here like okay should i even write anything about them until the playoffs because like if well, that's is, is your is your sixers traffic down do you notice that oh, yeah right yeah, but we don't have much to write about well that's the thing it's like you yeah. could put your stuff up in the past and everybody was consuming it because you know every night look they had brett brown coaching here everybody hated him they'd go out to golden state and beat the, the warriors yeah and yet they suck. Nobody liked the team. And it was always something. But there was always, like, this polarizing discussion. I think a lot of it had to do with Ben and then Brett. And that kind of had, like, again, it goes back to you had this polarizing two sides of the coin. 
you had the processors and the anti-processors. I think a lot of these process people yeah. kind of now started to, they're older and they're like, for 10 years, I really supported this thing. And I'm seeing the same thing. And now they're falling off. Even like the Robert Covington and TJ McConnell people are kind of falling off the cliff a little bit too. No, I mean, like to be, yeah. to be honest, and like when I, when I started on that, the juice for the Sixers was so high. Cause I don't have to tell you guys there's ebbs and ebbs and flows. Like, you know, when Doug Collins left, nobody cared about the Sixers. Then it started to get higher and higher and higher and higher. And then everything that the Sixers did that first year that I was down there, like it was gold. Embiid was a quote machine. Brett Brown was a good quote. Embiid, all Embiid had to come out and say, Oh, uh, all he had to say was, oh, I saw you were playing tennis. And then he'd come back and say, oh, yeah, I'm the black Roger Federer. And that was like 10,000 <laughs> clicks on the website because everything he would do is like stupid viral. And it just like everything worked. I think people are just like kind of kind of worn out on the team. You know, and they've made get, so I many can, mistakes. They made a lot so of mistakes. I could say bad luck guys for getting like I was talking to the, the guys before uh, on Slack about this. Like if Markel faults, if you watch this guy play now, and imagine him with the same essential jumper he had at Washington. The guy's like a top 15, 20 at worst NBA player. I mean, that's just bad luck, you know? Ben Simmons, all NBA teams. Guy literally is – he may be out of the league next year. Like this is – I mean, they made mistakes, yes, and and they've had horrible luck, and it's just like this vicious, you know, circle of, of, of garbage, and then they just well, lose – the same way constantly and it's just so frustrating it beats the hell out of you yeah and the nature of what was going on for so long was they were constantly recycling the roster for better or for worse but this team has decided hey we're just going to stay status quo which then also drops interest it's almost like in this world that we live in we always want a new toy you bring back the same team and we're almost bored by that the phillies went to the world series if they don't get trey turner you're like yeah hey, it's the same team yeah you know, yeah, it's funny because you, a, you didn't get a new toy for me to play with. You're giving me the same old, even though that was my favorite toy, you eventually get bored of that toy. And in sports, it's almost like every season, if you don't get a new toy, you kind of become like, okay, well, why, why am I playing with you? I know. It's so funny because we have one of the most generational big men ever, a generational scorer, then, and then everybody loves Tyrese Maxey because he's just this really exciting, you know, point guard. Now, I mean, he, he he put it together last night a little better before he fouled out and whatnot. But, I mean, even there, even that's a head-scratching decision. It's like, do they do they bring him back to the starting lineup? Do you keep him on the bench? You know, what do you think, Mike? What do you think, Jeff? The whole Maxi thing, like, I can understand if he got demoted to the bench or they told him. Like, he volunteered for this. So, and he's well, been a bench player. That's what well, Doc says. Okay, well, he's been a bench player in the past, right? I mean, he it's not like he, he – Yeah, when he was a rookie and when he, he was a young guy. He went into the league and, and started. Yeah. But I also don't think, like, he's not perform. I just think he was kind of in a funk. Like, last night, I think you saw him kind of coming around a little bit, you know, not – he was being a lot more decisive and aggressive. I just think he's kind of, like, in a, a I just funk. don't see the point. What was the point? You know, the claim was they're going to be better defensively, I guess, or fit better defensively with Melton in the starting lineup, which if you look at the stats is completely not, you know, borne out. Um, and they, he's their third most important player. And Kev was talking before about guys getting off shots at the end of games. That's probably the guy, if it's not going to be Embiid, who you're going to need to get off a tough shot at the end of a game to win it. And you got to have him optimized. And, and if, you know, whether we think it's silly that he's, you know, upset being a bench player or not, it doesn't matter. Like, if, if he's more comfortable starting, 
then start them. Um, and, and, and frankly, the starting lineup now, offensively, you got two guys who don't even score 10 points a game. So I would put him back in the starting lineup. Is it going to fix everything? No, but I just think you got to, he's your, you know, second, probably going forward, most important. important well, player, it would and be gotta, much more effective if you brought him off the bench and he wasn't playing with four guys who can't score. Sure. You know, if they staggered their, their rotations better. I mean, he's generally playing late in the game. So again, it's not who starts yeah. to finish. He's yeah. out there yeah. in the biggest moments. They're just kind of, for whatever reason, starting him late, but then they're playing him with, you know, McDaniel and Reed and Milton. Well, there's no rhyme or reason to any, like you said, to any of the rotations. There's these guys need to know what their role is. Like, there's just no rhyme or reason. It's chaos. Like, you know, you know what the funniest thing is too. We've been talking about the Sixers for a half hour now. This has actually been a very pragmatic and free flowing discussion. I wasn't sure how it was going to work with four people in here. We haven't mentioned Tobias Harris once. You know, is that crazy? Because he's the dude's making a shit ton of money. And if this was anybody else on any other team, we'd be like, you're not getting like your return. It's funny that he has lost like the ire of people. It's almost like, you know, they've accepted that. I I, like in the first half of the game against Boston, I guess it was. I mean, that's what if he catches and shoots without hesitation and hits two threes a game, you can't really complain, right? Just. Stand in the corner, hit, catch, shoot. Do not dribble, please. Have you ever seen a guy 6'9 who can play as awful around the rim as him? Robert Covington. Yeah, Robert Covington. <laughs> to be he took two <laughs> shots. I think he took two shots last night. Two or yeah, three, two maybe. Shot. And, then, and then Jimmy Butler has 30 and 11. <laughs> It's just like, and, and Jimmy Butler, remember at the end of the season last year, Jimmy Butler was like, you picked, you picked Tobias Harris over me. Like you would yeah. think the guy would want to come out. I don't listen. Tobias doesn't bother me. He is what he is at this point, but you would think you would want to come out in this particular game and sort of do something and not Shows just disappear up, and take three shots. So yeah. whatever. He's well, playing like, good defense. Also game, he scores what? 18, 19 points. He was he unbelievable in the first half. half. Yeah. First half, second half. You know, when you need that guy to catch, shoot, and make that shot, you can't depend on him. I don't think they got on the ball at all in the second half. Um, He's like J.J. Reddick. The next J.J. Reddick three will be his biggest three. Like, he made (laughs) four threes in the first half and then never made a big three late in the game. That's Tobias Harris right now. He'll hit a bunch of threes in the first half, and then you don't hear from him. I don't remember him taking a shot in the second half. I'm sure he did, but in that Boston game. but. Jeff, I know you have to. Uh, I know you have to go. So, Mike, you've heard the grumblings of a of a season ticket holder, a Sixers fan through and through the process, AI years, all that. Is this a violation when you go to the Grizzlies game and you let your son dress up in a Ja Morant jersey? Now you've seen all the grumblings. We'll get Craig to pull it up and whatnot. But you can decide this. You can play judge, jury, and executioner right here while we wait for it. <laughs> this is our boy Jeff letting his son. Uh, isn't that the way of the world, though? That's the way of yeah. the world. That's the thing, man. The kids don't care about the teams, they care about the players. Was there a he fight? Can- so, number one, I will say, I told Kyle this somehow. I don't know where it came from. My wife must have gotten it for He has a temple hoodie. The temple hoodie was on him over the Morant jersey for 98% of the game. Um, and he was that he due to love- fear? No, he just put it on. I don't know. And then they're going to beat a beat up a little kid at the Wells Fargo. Yeah, crazy it got down at the Wells Fargo Center in the 100 level. Nobody, nobody, nobody cares about the Grizzlies. Uh, there were there were a ton of Morant. The lady in front of us had a Morant jersey on. Um, 
He has a Curry jersey. Yeah, I think it is the way of the world at this point. Um, but, but isn't this a snapshot of the Sixers in 2023? Like you have the impressionable young kid and he wants to wear the Morant jersey instead, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, know. it's because Doc put his favorite player on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. Would uh, If was Doc fun. Rivers was passing you by on, in, in the Philadelphia streets and maybe he was feeling a little flush, maybe he was having a heart issue. Would the only reason you stop is because you took the Hippocratic Oath? No, listen, I just want, I will end with this. I like want to like Doc because I think Doc is a pretty smart and eloquent guy when it comes to anything okay. other than basketball. You've heard him talk about like the social justice stuff. Okay. I, think he's a, I think he's a smart dude. I think he's eloquent. I just don't want him coaching my basketball team. So no, this is great. Would... As, you, as you have a fire doc, hashtag fire doc. <laughs> he's eloquent. He's really great outside yeah. of basketball. Outside yeah. of basketball. Yeah. yeah. He can do anything else he wants except yeah. coach the Sixers. He's a great man. I just hate his guts with the burning <laughs> pack. <laughs> what was, was right, it? Was, I don't remember, Kevin. And guy, was, this, was he a popular hire? Yes. Just because, but just because I was, I wrote, I wrote at the time. I like, I, I never do this, but I will go back and take credit for it now. I wrote that he was a retread hire because he really? was. I think he was popular, Kyle. I think he was popular because I think remember when we were we Casuals were so probably liked it just because he wasn't Brett Brown. No, it was just because he wasn't Brett. <laughs> no, Brown. I'm serious. Yeah, they Casual they you know, fans. people thought that they failed upward, right? Oh, Doc's how is Doc available? You know, we fired yeah. Brett Brown and then Doc's available. So that's what people thought. They thought that they they failed upward and they stumbled I'm, into a good coach. I mean, Jay Wright, was thrown out there. Jay Wright was thrown out there per usual. Yeah. There was another guy who was, who would have been a retread. It was, um, oh, who took over for doc in uh, LA, Tyrone Lou. Yeah. Was out there. Yeah. There was a lot of like retread guys. And I think a lot of people, like you said, Kev, they, they thought they failed upwards and then it, and then it definitely became popular when Daryl Morey, uh, yeah. resigned. They were like, Oh, we went from Elton brand and Brett Brown to yeah. Daryl Morey and doc rivers. Wow. Look at us. We're lucky. You know? And, yeah. and now look at us much of the same so so and that was um, the first round exit in the bubble so yeah jeff are you dropping off yeah i'll drop off thanks okay, guys right. mike good to meet you i like your voice you got a good you know a good voice oh yeah. thanks man. well he does work <laughs> in radio he does work in radio for a living um, there you go and i'm happy to come back anytime and uh talk sixers guys you just right, said bro. you have a face for radio mike i don't Jeez. hear that often i don't <laughs> hear that one often can you believe it <laughs> thanks, i was called jeff. a 60 year old howie roseman so it's all good <laughs> see you guys all right, so we have. Um, he looks so, good for sixty, by the way. He no, no, he's not sixty. Someone just said he looks like a sixty-year-old Howie Roseman. Oh, all right, yeah. I was gonna say, let the gray looks- and the beard fool you, Kev. What right. do you got there? So we're gonna yes. try this. We're gonna try I this. That on, I saw you tweet that out. What is that? Lemon Pepsi? I thought it was lemon. So I went up to the grocery store. Oh, I'm like, peeps. oh, this is this looks good. It's Peeps. It's Peeps flavored Pepsi. We're gonna try oh. it right now. Um, here, look at the the like 147 grams of sugar. Yeah. It's got um, 69 grams of sugar, and it's it's uh, 138% of your daily value of sugar. So we're going to try it. Now, I didn't get it because I had my one-year-old with me. I was just trying to get the hell out of there and get, get home and cook dinner. And my wife's like, you're a coward. You should go back and get the, peep, <laughs> the Peeps Pepsi. So I went back after the kids went to bed in the sleet, and I got the Peeps Pepsi. In the so sleet. Oh, you hero. You're in the sleet. Is that the new drink that's like tied to like heart failure and like stroke? Well, here's the thing. Kevin like will come on the broadcast and he'll be sick for if we do if we do eight shows a month, he'll be sick for seven of them. So <laughs> yeah. the Pete yeah, Pepsi will just help. It'll help clear out the sinuses. It'll help clear out the phlegm. What do you think, Kev? The uh, as you try the Peeps 
Pepsi, which I'm guessing is probably going to be only around for the next couple of months. It should it should come with like an insulin shot or something. It feels like I'm <laughs> drinking, drinking like straight. Um, I like you like sniffing it. Like when I'll do beer reviews and I, you have to sniff the beer to get like the the aroma of the IPA hops, you know, right up your alley, Kincaid. But you're just see if you can get the peep shot up your nose. It doesn't even taste like peeps to me. It tastes like it. You know what it tastes like? It tastes like you took a bunch of uh, like um, like it tastes like you put cotton candy in this and then just filled the rest of it with Pepsi. That's what it tastes like. Yeah, it's like you took a bunch of jelly beans and dumped a bunch of like jelly beans into a vat and then just put Pepsi. I feel I feel like I'm gonna have a heart attack. Actually, we should get Jeff back on the show real quick. To, uh, <laughs> yeah, are you, are you tasting pennies? Your right arm. Ever try that drink? <laughs> I'd rather drink the water in East Palestine right now than drink that Peeps Pepsi. Oh, well, that's, yeah, it's, it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's just tastes like, fla- like flavored sugar. It feels like I'm yeah. drinking like a um, like a uh, cotton it candy feels like co- it feels like li- it's like cotton candy in liquid form is what it tastes nice. like. Was that a mistake purchase or? It was a. I'll get some cheap clicks on the website by reviewing this kind of purchase. So that's that's my admission there right go. there. I was like, I got to do a beverage review for the uh, for the site. People love food, Mike. I don't know when we do like food posts. I, I don't. I don't I, know. I hear you, man. I have to do posts for work now too, and food ones. I just have. I have my, my the guy I work with is like, dude, you're on a magic carpet ride. I wrote something about diners in South Jersey, and it's got like over a million views. Yeah, well, I think we did. I think you had me on the one time we were talking about pizza because I said I didn't like uh, pizza at the shore or something like that. And Kyle, not this Kyle, but the other Kyle, like was so offended that he had to write an entire rebuttal about the Jersey Shore or something like that. So that's how these things aren't really editorially planned. They just kind of uh, kind of happen, you know, Mike, talking about South Jersey diners. I was at Ponzio's this weekend. Is that a good one? I, I enjoyed it. It was it was good. I didn't get the breakfast. I got lunch a lot of my range, Kyle. Uh, yeah. You know, that's like up what Cherry Hill. My my family, I have a lot of family up that way and they're Ponzio's people. I hear that it's good, but it's Huge. a little out. Yeah, it's a little out of my range. I mean, I, I don't usually venture too far past like Egg Harbor Township. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was like I mean, way down the shore. Yeah, there's like a when diner on off the island. I used to live in Margate, so I lived on the island. And then when I moved offshore, like when you live on that island, you never leave. Nobody leaves the island. Like it's if you see somebody from the offshore on that island, you're or off on the mainland, you're like, dude, what are you doing over here? Like it is a separate world. And then like, you know, you get the people from like your area come down in vacation in like Avalon, Sea Isle, Wildwood. That's a whole nother territory that like nobody from Atlantic County goes to Cape May County and vice versa. The Cape May County people never cross over to Atlantic County. Hmm. Hmm. Well, Mike, listen, hey, um, you're still taking sips of that. What are you doing, brother? As, 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 a, Thursday. as a gift for Mike coming on the show today, I'm going to send him a six pack of uh, Peeps, <laughs> Peeps Pepsi for him to for him to try down there. Jeez. Oh, man. man. <laughs> well, I got nothing else. You got anything else, Kev? No, I'm good. It's always good to have you, Mike. I always say that Mike is a fine mountaineer. He went to West Virginia when they were a, when we were a real party school back in the day. Yeah. Yes. How Who many couches that? you got under your belt? Burnt. <laughs> Three, maybe. <laughs> Syracuse, Donovan McNabb torched us one night, and I never saw anything like it. It was on Grant Avenue. I lived at 329 Grant. The house doesn't even exist anymore. And our next door neighbors are just like like ants taking bread. You just saw these guys taking the couch. 
right in the middle of the street at the intersection of Grant and like third. Yeah. And there was just a blaze, man. So it was, it was an was angry a- couch burning. Nah, oh, yeah, just because he kicked out off yeah. my front porch and yeah. somebody else started the fire. I'm just, I don't want this couch anymore. I'm, th- I'm adding it. I'll tell you a quick story, Mike, and I'll let you go. I may have told this before, but I'll, I'll keep it quick. That area that Mike is talking about at West Virginia is called Sunnyside, and it was like a famous party area, and it was like a piece of shit and whatever. They wanted to clean it up pretty pretty badly, and like there was a lot of out-of-state landlords, and it was just hard to kind of like get everything like together, right? So they declared like half of the houses in that area, they declared them slums. They declared them like, quote-unquote, blighted property. And they came in and they like told all the landlords, hey, you got to fix this up or we're going to like demolish it and knock it down. Now they got, you know, Mike, you know, they got like an honors dorm in Sunnyside. I, I actually went on Google Maps and put, that's how I know 329 yeah. does not exist. And yeah. I was like, you know, arrowing my way up the street to see what it looks like. I was like, oh, my, I lived in this house that no one should have lived in. Like none of the houses on Grand Avenue. He's talking about blights. They should have been condemned. But I, you know, you would live in these houses. Your parents would come down and be like, what the hell is this? This and we loved it. We thought it was the greatest thing ever. It's like, oh, I got this. I'm paying. You know, my rent was like two hundred dollars a month. Yeah, and I had a yeah. four bedroom house. Yeah. You know, we live within walking distance of everything. It's the greatest place you've ever been in your life. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. but that area <laughs> was trash, and they cleaned it up. So nothing like having an honors college with a school that's a ninety eight percent acceptance rate. That's right. <laughs> Go nears, baby. Go that's nears. Right. All right, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on, man. All right, boys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Talk to you. See you, Mike. Got anything else, big dog? I think it was higher than a 98% acceptance rate, actually. (laughs) I want to say it was like 99, 99, actually. Listen, you went there to party. You didn't listen. You didn't go there for the, well, and you just get the piece of paper and now look what you're doing. Um, All right. I got a Peeps flavored. I got a Peeps poster. I got to make a phone call, too. I got a Sixer story I'm working on. All right. Well, I'll let you get to that. All Craig's right. pulling up something. Oh, West oh. Virginia University acceptance rate, 89.8 in terms of 2021. Look at them, the Harvard of West Virginia. Yeah, we've really upped our game. Well, to call anything the anything of West Virginia, there's like five colleges in West Marshall. Virginia. Marshall. Marshall, yeah. There's a West, West Virginia, Virginia State. Wheeling Jesuit University is down mm-hmm. there too. Fairmont mm-hmm. State, yeah, powerhouses, all of academic powerhouses. Yep. All, all right. All right. All right. Well, hey, that's the show for today. We will talk to you. Thank you to Mike Gill. Thank you to Jeff for coming on. I think that was a little bit of therapy for Jeff. Yeah. I think maybe Investor Emeritus. Uh, Investor Emeritus Jeff Wool. I, I'll be interested to ask him, you know, maybe the therapy kind of lifted up his uh, his tickets. Maybe maybe Josh Harris will get him for another year. We'll see. We'll see. All, do, right. all I got to do is hashtag fire doc and he's back in. <laughs> thanks, to, uh, thanks to you, the commenters. Thank and, you. And uh, thank you to you, the listeners. We will talk to you on Thursday. Colin Thompson coming on maybe he has a special announcement that he's retiring i don't know if he's retiring or not but we'll try to get him to tell us if he retires nfl breaking news Talk to you.